Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 170. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me tonight. He is back home in Las Vegas, but no less busy, I might add. The man is putting in the hours, putting in the work, while I am in Temecula, California right now for Bellator 201, McFarlane versus Lara. We'll check in with Cold Coffee in a little bit because he has been a busy, busy man while I've been gone. He's getting ready for International Fight Week. He's going to court hearings, doing all kinds of stuff. So we'll definitely catch up with him. But we're going to start with me. Because it's the MMA Roadshow with John Morgan. <laughs> I have had an absolute travel adventure. If you, uh, if you listen to the show or if you follow my career, you know I like to travel. You know I've been fortunate to do a lot of it covering this wonderful sport of mixed martial arts. And this week was no different. But damn it, it was one of the craziest trips I've ever had. This is how it all went down. I was scheduled to come out here to Bellator 201 in Temecula, California when... Late last week, I, I got a request from Bellator. They said, hey, John, tell you what, we're doing a press conference out in New York. We'd really like for you to be there if you can. It's going to be some big news, and, man, if you don't mind, we'd, we'd love to have you out there. And I said, well, kind of late notice, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. Obviously, we don't, we don't have anybody in New York, uh, so let me see what I can do. Jumped on American Airlines and uh, found a round-trip flight for like 300 bucks. Even though it was last second, it was like 300 bucks. I'm like, well, what do you know? I was like, I, I think I can pull this thing off. So Monday night, I get on a red eye. I fly overnight, direct. It's a good flight. It's Las Vegas to JFK. Get to JFK, take a take an Uber on into the city, go to the press conference. Everything goes great. Fantastic news. We'll talk about that in just a second. Everything goes good. And then the plan at that point is to go back to the airport, take a direct flight home, get home about like 10.30 or so on uh, on Tuesday night, and then hop up Wednesday morning and make the trip down here to Temecula, California, the beautiful Pachanga Resort and Casino, an amazing place that you should go to if you ever get a chance. Things didn't work out quite that smoothly, though. <laughs> no, they did not. So it starts out with a little bit of a delay. No problem there, right? It's about a 90-minute delay. Sucks, but hey, those things happen, right? We get on the plane at JFK, direct flight back to Las Vegas. We're boarded up, ready to go, and we get the news. Guys, I'm sorry. We have found a life preserver, one of the, the, the vests, you know, that, that uh, you put on and if you happen to have a, a watery landing, which, knock on wood, has never happened and hopefully never will in my travels. But I guess they found an extra life vest, basically. And because they found an extra life vest, that means it's missing from somewhere. And so they got to figure out where it's missing from. I guess by law, you can't take off if there's not a, a life vest under every seat. But it's not practical for them to figure out where it's missing. Uh, so what they had to do was empty the plane, get everybody off the plane, even though we're all loaded up, search the plane for where the missing life vest goes, load it back up, and then we're off. <sighs> Kind of annoying, kind of annoying, you know, but that's responsible. That's the right thing to do. Uh, everybody needs to have a, a life vest in case we do have to land in water. So we, we get off the plane. They, they, they find it. It takes a little while, and then uh, they, they finally get it done. And at, at this point, we're about three hours late, okay? So 
three hours late is cutting into my time that I'm going to have at home. I was just going to make a quick turnaround in Las Vegas, but it is what it is. Three hours late. So we, we load up. We're ready to get on the plane, and they come on again. They come on the mic, and they say, listen, sorry about this, but the the, the reality of the situation is the, the pilots here can only work so long, and they're running up against time right now. So we're, we're going we're gonna to have to figure out what we're going to do. So hang tight. So we sit there for a little while, and <sighs> making matters worse for me, I didn't get my, my upgrade, so I'm not, I'm not sitting in business class, and I know, I know, first world problems, but at least if I'm in business class, you know, I'm having a cocktail or two, they're treating you really nice because you're supposedly an important person, but no, I'm back there sitting in general population just waiting for this thing to clear up. After a little while, they come on the mic and say, here's what we're going to do. The pilots can fly long enough to get us to Dallas, and we'll land in Dallas, and from there, we'll pick up another set of pilots. They will take you on home to Las Vegas to your destination. Not ideal, not ideal, but again, I mean, you can't complain, right? You don't want your pilots tired. You don't want your, your pilots working longer than they're supposed to be. So, I mean, what can you do? You just you just take what you, you, take what you get. Uh, so basically, we, we do that. We land in Dallas. They, they put on a little more fuel. Uh, to the plane at that point and get the new pilots on board. Got to say, they, they they did it pretty quickly. No question about it. They did it pretty quickly. Uh, and then we finally got home. But I'm telling you, by the time I got home, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday, and I had another flight scheduled to leave at 7 a.m. So uh, <laughs> it was like a four-hour turnaround on the ground. That 7 a.m. flight ends up being delayed too, which is – bizarre so I, I i had to switch I, I had to try to scramble to 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 make this flight work because that delay was going to impact enough long story short i ended up with like three hours of sleep uh i ended up missing media day here at, at bellator 201 so my trip kind of got off to a really bad start because i didn't get to do any of my traditional pre-fight interviews uh making that that first day kind of a waste basically today was weigh-ins tomorrow the fights but i'm telling you i I was wiped out because basically two nights in a row the only sleep that i really got was on an airplane and uh, as i'm sure anybody that's taken an an overnight flight knows or a long flight uh, airplane sleep may be sleep but it ain't great sleep so i'm not gonna lie even though i've been fortunate enough to, to fly to China and Singapore and, and, and all over the world, man. Just this little trip crossing the country wore my ass out. Wore my ass out. But still, here we are. Putting in the work because we have never missed a week on the MA Roadshow. Not in 170 consecutive weeks. And I'm not about to start doing it now just because I'm a little tired. Nope. I am fueling the Roadshow this week, I should say. Courtesy of our man Anthony Beach, Latchkey Brewing is the name of the company, a San Diego company. Sharp, astute listeners know that Anthony Beach uh, was a former brewer at Ballast Point. He's the one that hooked us up with those fantastic guys at Ballast Point, and he's uh, kind of launched out on his own. He's now the head brewer of Latchkey Brewing, and uh, he has shared with me some of his fantastic offerings, and uh, that's what's keeping me going right now. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, the, the the real talk. You don't want to hear about my travel adventures. Let's talk about the reason we went out there, the Bellator press conference in New York. Big stuff there, fight announcements. Of course, they officially uh, announced 
uh, Leota Machida there. They officially announced uh, Gegard Mousasi versus Roy McDonald. They officially announced Rampage Jackson versus Vanderlei Silva 4. Um, of course, we already we already knew about uh, all those matchups. That wasn't news, really, except to just get to talk to everybody there. Um, the big news was the streaming deal that Bellator is doing with DAZN. All right, so if you haven't heard, that's how it's pronounced, DAZN. The company is all caps, D-A-Z-N, but if you want to say it right, it is DAZN. Uh, big deal. I mean, as you, as I said, you know, they asked if we could be out there. Said it was going to be a big press conference. It was it was a big day for them, and and it was a big day for them. I mean, that's the deal was announced as a nine-figure deal, a nine-figure multi-year deal is how it was announced. I found that incredibly interesting because normally in these press releases, uh, people don't talk numbers. You'll normally hear multi-million or something along those lines, but obviously. You know, I, I would imagine it was DAZN wanted to make a strong play. You know that hey, here's here's the type of money we're 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 laying into this. You know, I mean, obviously that's a that's a power play to look big, right? Um, that's just a guess. I don't know that for a fact, but you're talking about a, a minimum of a hundred million dollars. Now, Gareth A. Davies, uh, the English reporter who uh, spends quite a bit of time over here in the United States as well, covering mixed martial arts and boxing, he told me afterwards that he was told it was three years now again i haven't been able to confirm that officials don't want to talk about it but gareth said uh, he was able to, to to find out from somebody involved it's three years so you're talking about a hundred million dollars over three years that's a lot of money that's a lot of money going to bellator and it doesn't impact their current deal that they have in place now of course viacom owns them so you know any anything they they pay in rights fees is basically just accounting so uh you know you don't it's, you don't really pay yourself, I guess. You just kind of shift the money over in the company. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And if you go back and you watch any of it or you listen to it, every Bellator or Viacom exec that got up there talked about how that money was going to help them to chase more free agents. It was going to help them to expand the roster. Every one of them. It got mentioned multiple times. It wasn't like a comment in passing. Everybody said, you know, that money was going to go towards investing in more free agents. So, you know... Uh, what does that mean? Of course, we know Bellator's the number two player in the space. Uh, they got a long way to go to get to number one, man. The UFC's got a, a hell of a head start on them. Um, but, you know, deals like this are, are, are a lot of money and give them options. It gives them a chance to do things. So that's good. It's great news for Bellator. It's a big thing for Bellator. Now, what does it mean for me and you? What does it mean for MMA fans? It's hard to measure. It's hard to measure, right? I mean, first of all, Zone is a company I had never heard of before. Um, I, I, I take that back. I had heard of them briefly because if you if you follow boxing, you know that they signed a deal with Matchroom Boxing, which is uh, Eddie Hearn's company, an English promoter, um, that supposedly is worth a billion dollars. Now, that's an eight-year deal, um, but supposedly I think it's worth a billion dollars to do um, 30, yeah, 30, 30 fight nights a year, 30 boxing fight nights a year. Of course, this is going to be 22 a year. Seven of the Bellator events are going to be exclusive to the zone, including this September 29th event in San Jose, California, with with Musashi McDonald, with Rampage and Vanderlei, um, with the kickoff of the of the welterweight Grand Prix. Um, so you're going to want it, right? I mean, you can sign up for free, so you're going to want to watch that event because if they continue to do big events like that, I mean, you're not going to want to miss that, right? So it's it's 
it looks like it's going to be kind of a necessary service if you're an MMA fan, but that's why it's kind of hard to decide whether this is a good or a bad thing, right? Because we don't even know the price yet. Uh, I asked specifically what the price point was going to be, and we don't know. Uh, the, the officials there said, listen, we're not ready to reveal that just yet. They said, you know, we, we, we are. We are trying to make sure it's affordable. You know, that's our goal is, is to take premium content and deliver it in an affordable way. So, you know, it sounds like they're at least committed to it not being expensive, but, you know, that ESPN Plus deal at four ninety nine, that's pretty cheap, man. That's pretty cheap for all that UFC content. And then not to mention you can get the other stuff as well, other sporting content. And this will have other sporting content also. Um, but are they going to be able to match that four ninety nine price? I, I feel like one of the reasons ESPN is able to do that is because, you know, they don't necessarily need it to be profitable. I mean, they have so many they're they're available in so many homes already and they have so many options. I mean, I feel like that four ninety nine for ESPN Plus is, I don't want to say they take a loss on it, but um, you know, I feel like the size of their business makes them able to be competitive. I mean, when you scale to the size that ESPN is, sometimes you're able to offer your product for less. And I think, again, not knowing the business model of ESPN, I think that's why they're able to offer it so cheap. You know, is DAZN going to be able to offer this for $4.99? I don't know. So that that part's that that part it makes it tough to. To, to finish the equation if you don't know a big variable, right? So we don't know the price. What we do know is that the tape delay is gone. Um, that's fantastic. That is great, great news. Um, I, I hate it that in 2018 we have tape-delayed stuff. I mean, not only, you know, if you have a cable provider. Luckily, I have DirecTV at home in Las Vegas, so DirecTV uses the East Coast feed. So I'm able to watch Bellator events live. Um, but... If you have a cable provider instead of a satellite, most of the West Coast cable operators, you end up getting that West Coast feed, so you've got to wait three hours for the event. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely ridiculous. Why do, you know, why do advertisers love live sporting events? Because you want to watch it live. You're not fast-forwarding through commercials and stuff like that because you want to watch it live. So, and, and listen, Bellator knows that. You know, it's the TV partners. I mean, Whatever, we won't even go into that. But the tape delay is ridiculous, and that's not even addressing like the European, excuse me, the European tape shows where they tape the show and then it's delayed, you know, hours and hours and hours back to the United States to be in prime time. So live, live MMA, live Bellator, that is phenomenal. Um, but again, we don't know the price. How much are we paying for that premium? I don't know. So that's a big thing that I want to know. The other thing too is. Uh, all the card, I mean, this and, and this is the direction. I mean, you've been hearing it for years. You know, Dana White used to talk about it for years. Everybody in the TV and sports industry talks about it. I mean, this is the future of programming, right? Over-the-top services, OTT, stuff that's delivered to you directly where you can just pick the channel you want um, and, and you get, you know, basically the, the, the programming that you want. I mean, I use Apple TV at home. Uh, I still have direct TV, but, you know, Apple TV, I do my, I do my Showtime and my HBO through Apple TV, which ends up being cheaper than if I ordered it through DirecTV. So right there, I'm saving a few bucks, and then everything's you know on demand, and, and I love the interface and all that stuff, right? So I like that. But now, what? We gotta have DAZN. We gotta have ESPN Plus. We gotta have UFC Fight Pass maybe as well. Now that may be different for the U.S. audience. I, so I, it's just all these all these little you know a few bucks here, a few bucks there. It, it's not even. I, I feel like. You know, the money we save just gets added back in. So, you know, everybody's talking about cutting the cord, cut the cord, cut the cord, save money. Then you have all these a la carte services. 
how much do you end up paying? You know, do you, do, do, is, is it end up being a net loss? Do you end up losing money? So, I don't know. But hey, this isn't going away. This is not some kind of a. There, there's a reason the Bellator is doing this. There's a reason the UFC is doing this. Um, this is this is the future, and everybody knows it. Um, so this is not some kind of an experimental play. I mean, this is this is the way it's going. So, again, that kickoff event in San Jose. Those 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 are some great fights already. I mean, listen, Vandalay Rampage Four. Okay, I get it. You know, these are these are two guys that are are not in their prime, um, and it's a heavyweight, which is wild. Uh, you know, I mean, Rampage has said, look, I'm not going back down to light heavyweight anymore. And, um, you know, I feel a lot healthier at heavyweight and just happier. That's good. Vanderlei was bigger, you know, seeing him in person, but, uh, you know, I don't know how much he's going to weigh. There's got to be a pretty good size difference between them when they weigh in on fight night. So, uh, but anyway, I mean, listen, those are two legends of the sport, man. So I'm okay with that. I mean, that's, that's Bellator style, right? You're, you're going to have some of those, you know, legends fights, if you will, or freak show fight if you want. Um, but that's great. But then, you know, that kickoff of that welterweight Grand Prix, which welterweight, man, that's, that's a good division for Bellator. So, um, that tournament could be a lot of fun. Not clear yet about that welterweight Grand Prix is whether Rory is going to participate, Rory McDonald, of course, and if he does, was belt be on the line? That's interesting. I've talked to some people behind the scenes. That's all still being figured out, right? The details are still being figured out. Um, but I, I, selfishly, I guess, if it was my if it was my promotion and I was booking it, I'd love to put Roy McDonald in the tournament. Put the champ in the tournament. Put the champ in the Grand Prix, and have the belt be on the line every time. You know, because I don't think you I don't think you want you know if your champ is in there. I get that uh, you know it's hard for him to be in a tournament, but I mean. What's a tournament except just a series of fights that you schedule? You know what I mean? So why can't the belt be on the line? I, I think the belt should be on the line in the tournament. And if, if Roy loses to, I don't know, whoever it may be, hell, maybe it's Michael Venom Page, maybe it's Paul Daly, who knows, then that guy's the champion. And the next, that guy's next fight in the tournament, that's a title fight too. Like that, That's the way I would like to see it play. I think that would be very intriguing. I think that would be very cool. I mean, we've talked before about, I, you know, I would love to see the UFC do tournaments. I know they hate them. I know they absolutely hate them. But, you know, I, I like the idea. It's just it's matchmaking that makes itself, right? You know, what do we do after every fight? Hey, what's next? Who do you want next? I think it's so much cooler to be like, well, you just won. Now you know who you're fighting. I mean, and you don't have to do that all the time, but I love the Grand Prix. I'm glad they're doing this tournament stuff. I, I love it. But I hope the champ is in there. I hope the champ is in there, and I hope that the belt is on the line every time. So I think that would be the coolest way to do it. So, anyway, that kickoff is in, is huge. Um, but I guess I guess I'm saying I'm holding judgment on DAZN. I, I obviously I've, I've never seen it. I haven't seen it in action. I love ESPN Plus already, uh, even though they don't have M, uh, MMA content on there. Uh, you know, at least you know live fights. Uh, I <laughs> I've been watching some of the 30 for 30s, uh, which those are phenomenal. And you get you know they've done so many great ones over the years. Uh, and with your ESPN Plus uh, contract, you get access to all the 30 for 30s. So, like, I, when I've been at home, I, I've been kind of watching that stuff. So, I love ESPN+. Plus. Am, am I going to love DAZN? I don't know. I don't know. And, again, I don't even know what I'm paying for it. But if they continue to have big events like like this kickoff event, you know, you, you're going to want to have it. So, that was a big press conference. It was good to get out there. Did did It was at uh, uh, Viacom headquarters, which was pretty cool. It was in Times Square. Um, you know, they, they had done it upright. It seemed like a nice little facility, a little theater that they had in there. Um, it was a really, really well done press conference. So, uh, enjoyed that. And then, uh, and then I didn't enjoy the rest of the day so much as I tried to get home. Uh, but I made it out of here for Bellator 201 McFarlane versus Lara. 
the women's flyweight title is on the line. Alimale McFarlane um, quickly becoming one of the one of the stars of the company, I guess. You know, I don't know that she's crossed over into mainstream just yet, but quickly becoming one of the faces of the company. Um, she's so likable. If you're if you're a hardcore listener to the MMA Roadshow, you'll know that the last time we were in Temecula, uh, she sat down and, and co-hosted uh, an episode of the podcast and and basically just got uh, <laughs> just got trashed with us. If we're if we're, if we're keeping it real, we were over at Ballast Point Brewery, which was amazing. And uh, yeah, she will she will kick back a frosty beverage or two and, and enjoy herself. So we had a great time. Uh, and, and so her personality is awesome. Uh, of course, she's an undefeated fighter as well. She's got an amazing backstory. Um, you know, she she basically just started uh, mixed martial arts to lose weight. That's why she was training. She walked by a gym and, and saw it there and um, decided she wanted to train to lose weight, which, I mean, how, how cool is that? You know, you, you just want to lose a few pounds and you end up being a world champion. And, uh, you know, her professional debut was the uh, the infamous soccer mom fight, which she which she won by vicious knockout um, against the, the soccer mom. And, and that went viral, but, I mean, that's kind of one of those viral things that it was I mean, it wasn't necessarily received positively. I mean, it's not her fault. She got put in a fight and she did what she came to do, you know, she did what she needed to do. Uh, but obviously that's not necessarily the kind of attention that, that you want on your career, but she's put that behind her and, um, and, and now here she is a world champion. Bellator did a really, really good video. We put it on MMA Junkie as well. So if you want to search it, uh, the headline we used is Go In Focus with Bellator 201 headliner Alima Leigh McFarland and her rise to becoming champion. Um, it's a, I thought Bellator did a great video, and I've actually talked to some of their people. I'd love to see them do more of these. I know they can't be cheap or easy, but it does such a good job of telling her backstory and then also showing fight highlights as well. You know, um, and I think that's what Bellator has to do. They've got a lot of talented people on this roster. Um, but I think they, they need to educate people. They need to get the message out because, uh, you know, th- these they don't get the, the number of headlines, the number of stories, the quite as much publicity. And I, I think they have to do a good job of explaining to you as a fan, you know, why you want to watch these fighters. Um, and I think little pieces like this can can help out. So, uh, all right, so check this out. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, you know I like to bring in my interviews. I didn't get to do my interviews because of my travel issues. But I thought this would be fun, okay? Uh, fortunately, Bellator was not explaining to him what was going on. Um, and I needed to do a peace deal uh, for the newspaper, the USA Today. is actually running a nice print section on, uh, on on Friday with a couple of pieces. And I needed to do something. So I was, I was like, can you please get these quotes for me and just record it? And uh, I, their PR said, yeah, man, we'll, we'll take care of that for you, man. We, 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 you know, we'll definitely handle that for you. We'll, we'll get it for you. Um, what they did was they asked an intern by the name of Victoria Gracie. That is right. His Hoist Gracie's niece is actually interning for Bellator. And uh, she asked my questions to Alima Leigh McFarlane. And I thought I was just going to get like some written quotes or, or something like that. They actually recorded the whole thing and sent it to me so that I was able to write my piece. But I thought, hey, you don't get to hear me interviewing but you get to hear a Gracie family member doing an interview with my questions. Sounds like something that should be on the MMA Roadshow. So without further ado, the first third-party applied interview in the history of the MMA Roadshow. First title defense coming up. How different does it deal ahead of the fight? Is there any different mindset or approach knowing you're the champion? Um, I'm actually like more confident being the champion going into this fight, 
And I think it's just because I've always been kind of self-deprecating as far as my fighting career has gone. You know, I've always, I, I wasn't sure if this is what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I belonged here, if I belonged at this level. So I think um, being the champion, I proved to myself uh, that, yeah, I do belong here and this is my division. So I kind of have that um, confidence going into my fights from here on forward. You're living and training in California, but I know you're still very proud of your Hawaiian heritage. Why is it important for you to still represent those roots? So it's extremely important for me. And, you know, aside from fighting, I've always held my um, Hawaiian identity and culture very close to my heart. Being up here in the mainland, you know, there was, uh, I did, it almost made my identity stronger as a Hawaiian just because there weren't, there weren't as many up here. So even if I wasn't a fighter, I would still um, strongly identify with my Hawaiian culture. But now that I have been fighting, um, you know, Hawaiians love their fighters. Hawaii loves their fighters. So I, I get even more support um, and more, you know, there's a lot of displaced islanders too, a lot of transplants, you know, people who can't even afford to live back home who are up here. And so I feel like I represent all of them, not just the ones back home, but the ones up here. And because uh, I'm kind of like in that same boat, like it's expensive as shit to live in Hawaii. So I'm kind of a displaced islander up here. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely important for me to still stay connected back home and to also, you know, represent all the islanders and home um, with aloha. Nice. So your MMA career started with humble beginnings of just losing weight. Mm -hmm. Now you're undefeated world champion. What is special about you that allowed you to climb to these heights? Uh, definitely my coaches and my gym. Without them, I would be nothing. Uh, you know, they were the ones that convinced me to do this. I mean, they were the ones that saw something in me. So there was like no desire on my end really at all. It was all they're doing. And so, yeah, that's the only reason why I am where I am. It's because of my coaches, Manolo and Bill, Boogie, my teammates, everybody at 10th Planet San Diego. They were the ones that have been behind me this entire time. You might have had most watched professional debut in MMA history, but obviously that fight hardly shows who you are now. Mm -hmm. What goes through your mind when people bring up the soccer bomb fight these days? I just laugh. I mean, it's not, I, I don't get offended or anything when people bring it up because I know that I've shown people that, yeah, I'm, I'm a better fighter. You know, I'm, it wasn't a fluke. I wasn't just some chump beating up a chump. It was uh, like, I'm legit, I'm a world champion now. So if anybody is still hating on that, then they obviously don't watch Bellator, like, don't know who I am. But yeah, I, I don't care about it. I think it's funny. Seems to be a good time for Hawaiian MMA, you know, with mm -hmm. Max Holloway leading the charge. What is it about the Hawaiian culture that has always seemed to gravitate to this sport since its inception? I think it's just in our DNA, you know, we come from a long line of warriors. Um, ancient Hawaiians, yeah, they were all warriors, you know, so I think it's literally in our DNA. And two, um, you know, since colonial times and imperialism and the overthrow of the queen, you know, Hawaiians have always been fighters. We've always kind of been fighting for something or against something, basically fighting against the white men. So again, I think that's all like has uh, become a part of our culture and our DNA. And, um, but it's nice because if you ever look up YouTube scraps or whatever fights in Hawaii, it's not just a bunch of hoodlums like beating each other up 
you know, it's like sometimes the parents will be there and will like make the kids shake hands, you know. So it's like it's it's like a respect thing too. It's like okay, you guys have a beef with each other, then settle it, and then it's pow, it's done, it's finished. Then you guys become friends afterwards or whatever. So yeah, again, it's like part of our culture, and um, yeah, I mean, I was never in that culture because I went to private school my whole life, but. My mom was, like, she was from the west side, so she knows all about that. I have all my cousins and everything. I have family out that side, so, yeah. And then a few more. Mm-hmm. Alejandra Lara, Lara had just one Bellator fight before getting this title shot. Did she deserve this opportunity, and how do you feel with the matchup against her? I think there are a lot of girls that deserve the opportunity. Um, our division is pretty deep, but I think that timing-wise... She made sense because a lot of the other girls had uh, already booked uh, fights. Um, And, you know, for a title fight, you need a little bit longer preparation. So on paper, too, it looks pretty evenly matched. Like, she's 7-1, I'm 7-0. She's from a good camp, the Team Grosso down in Guadalajara. You know, and she's, uh, she's actually been doing MMA for longer. I think she turned pro in, like, 2011. So even though she's young, she's been doing it for longer than I have. So, yeah, I think that, that she was deserving. You know, she took out one of the top prospects in the division in her debut. And so, you know, she definitely knows how to rise to the occasion. Um, but I think that um, there were, a, like, there again, like I said, there's a lot of girls that, that could have gotten the shot. So, I mean, they all got to stand in line, I guess. And how do you feel with the matchup with her? Oh, I think it's good. I think it's really interesting because... Um, you know, I've never fought a fighter like her before. I've never fought a karate-style fighter or somebody who's, like, insanely flexible. So I think it's a really good matchup, you know, and you never know in this sport. It's like anything can happen. Styles make fights, so we'll see if uh, I can handle her style or not. Women's flyweight, really one of the newest divisions in MMA right now in terms of national organizations. Do you feel like you have a right to claim you're the best in the world? Yeah, 100%. And I feel that everybody in the UFC should be thanking me right now. Well, at least all the flyweights should be thanking me because the only reason the UFC created their flyweight division was because of me. Because I started rising up the ranks in Bellator. Bell- well, Bell- well, first of all, Scott and Bellator created the flyweight division. I was like one of the first wave of girls that they signed. I started climbing up the ranks. People started watching me. My name started getting out there. Bellator had no choice but to crown a champion because of me, because I was killing all these girls. And then UFC came along, and they're like, oh, shit, you know, we got, like, Bellator's creating this deep flyweight division, now we got to do it. So they canceled their original tough show, canceled it last minute, and made it a flyweight division. And I know it's because they felt threatened. So that's why, again, like I said, all those girls should be thanking me that they even have a flyweight division in the UFC now. So, yes, I was the first one that they crowned, so I am for sure the best flyweight in the world. And again, humble, begin- humble beginnings that to this sport. That was not humble, by the way. That <laughs> no, that's okay, that's okay. But now you're on the top. What are your goals moving forward, and what do you hope to accomplish? Well, I really want to buy a house and become a homeowner, a single homeowner. Um, so I am, like, really looking at this. As, now it has become a career. Before, it was a little bit more like, okay, I wanted to, like, do it for the glory and to bring it back to my school and my home. And now that I have, now that I have, like, got that title and gone down to the rec- record books, now it's become a little bit more, um, like, deciding. Or I, what's the word? It's just become a little bit more, like, now I have to do it. 
for myself and for my future. And now I can make, I can make substantial amounts of money doing this if I just remain focused. And I could become a homeowner. I can like be set for a good portion of, of my life if I remain champion for as long as I can. So that's kind of what my next step is. All right, so give it up to Victoria Gracie for uh, handling that interview for the MMA Roadshow. Much appreciated, Victoria. Lee Malay McFarlane with some interesting stuff there. You know, it's funny because I, I ended up writing a story that's, that's going to be in USA Today with some of those quotes about, um, you know, how she is kind of the first uh, women's flyweight champion in major organizations, and she believes she's the best in the world. And um, they sound strong, and I think when you read them in print, they're going to be strong. Um, and that's good. I mean, she is making a very firm statement, and, and obviously the newspaper doesn't allow you as much room <laughs> as you might like um, to work with, so I didn't get to touch on a lot of the other stuff. Um, so it's going to sound pretty bold from her, uh, and, and I hope that that doesn't come out bad because she's um, you know, she's not uh, arrogant by any stretch of the imagination, or she's not um, unrealistic. You know, in fact, as you hear, I mean, um, you know, she talks before about like not being sure that you know she was on the level of, you know, to be a major organization world champion, but she slowly kind of come into that confidence on herself. So, uh, you know, big fight for her, big fight for her against a fight, a fighter that uh, even though is, is relatively new to the promotion, as, as she said, she has a lot of respect for. So, um, again, I, I, I like Lee Malay McFarlane. I think her, her personality is great. Uh, obviously very much identifies with uh, her Hawaiian roots as well um, and, and a solid fighter also. So big title defense here at, uh, at Bellator 201. Man, I got to say, I'm having this uh, this latchkey brewing uh, on-point porter. That's right, the OPP, the on-point porter, and it is damn good. 6.8% brewed by my man, Anthony Beach, who's down there just tearing things up at the brand new. He, he left me a couple ones, He's but I'm, but I'm on this OPP right now. We got the, uh, the Dank Diggler, <laughs> a hazy IPA. Uh, the Hatch, which is a West Coast IPA, and he, and he hit me with the, the Latchkey Pilsner as well, so just an easy German Pilsner. But, uh, man, good stuff from a, a big, big MMA fan. Anthony Beach is hardcore, man. He's a, he's a roadshow faithful, and he is hardcore MMA fan. So uh, if you want to uh, to follow his products, again, San Diego area, uh, he's on Twitter at, uh, at Latchkey Brewing and uh, on Instagram at, at Latchkey underscore brewing. So, Good people there, and I'm enjoying this product. You know another product I enjoy? It's Dollar Shave Club. The fine folks at Dollar Shave Club supporting the MMA Roadshow this week. If you ever shower, brush your teeth, or try to make your hair look at least a little bit presentable, I've got good news for you. Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to help you out. They got everything you need to get ready in the bathroom. All kinds of stuff. You know they're advertising with MMA Junkie Radio as well. Gorgeous George Garcia. He likes the Amber and Lavender Calming Body Cleanser. I know. Who would have known? Cold Coffee told us last week he likes the One Wipe Charlies. He calls them back and forth Charlies, which is far too much information. Me, personally, I like the shave butter. Man, you use that shave butter, you get the best shave you've ever had. Good stuff. All kinds of stuff. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top-shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You'll feel the difference. Plus, shipping is included with 
your membership. No extra cost to get that stuff shipped to you. And there's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shades Club products. For just five bucks, you can get their Daily Essentials starter set. It comes with the body cleanser. It comes with the One White Charlies. It comes with the world-famous shave butters. All the stuff that we love, which is funny because we all love different stuff, you get it all. Plus, you get their best razor, the Six Blade Executive. After you try that out, you can keep the blades coming for just a few bucks more a month, and you can add in shampoo, toothpaste, anything else you need for the bathroom. Check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash road. That's the important part. you got to put that slash road on there. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash road, R-O-A-D. Get yourself hooked up with Dollar Shave Club. I'm telling you, it's good stuff all the way around. I wouldn't lie to you. I'm telling you about some fine, fantastic breweries. I'm telling you about Dollar Shave Club. It's good stuff. All right, back to Bellator 201. Uh, I am excited for this card. Uh, won't talk a ton about it just because uh, with it being a Friday event and you know our, our, our show comes out on Friday morning, uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it in case you don't catch it beforehand. Um, but I will say there's some fights you need to watch. We've talked about Lima Lay McFarlane versus Alejandro Lara. Uh, Saad Awad versus Ryan Couture is the co-main event. Valerie Letourneau versus Christina Williams. Uh, on the main card as well, and Juan Archuleta uh, getting his big show debut, 18-1 and career record uh, against Robbie Peralta. So um, some, some, some interesting fights here, uh, to say the least. I think it's going to be a card definitely worth watching. But the other one, uh, the other guys that you need to watch, so this thing is going to kick off it's at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time uh, on, on streaming. So I think it streams via their app. Uh, we'll have it on MMA Junkie as well. Um, but a trio of the uh, the homegrown talent, some of the, the young up-and-coming studs that you want to keep an eye on. Uh, Terrell Fortune versus Giovanni Saran. That's a heavyweight fight. Uh, Terrell Fortune, of course, the, the undefeated the prospect there. The other prospects, Joey Davis and Ed Ruth. Joey Davis taking on Craig, Craig Plaskett and Ed Ruth against Andy Murad. He's getting the stiffest test as Ed Ruth. Andy Murad, 16-2. Uh, and two. Uh, He's getting the stiffest test out of those early prelims. Um, those three are going to be worth your time. Definitely worth your time. These three uh, are worth watching. And it's interesting to me because, you know, Bellator believes in these, in these fighters. I think they've done a great job of identifying young talent. They're building up their roster, and they've done a great job of getting, you know, signing these guys when they're 0-0, just bringing them into the promotion already, bringing them very early on, kind of building awareness, building brand loyalty. But I think that's the biggest challenge Bellator is facing right now. Um, I, I think they've got to start taking these these young stars in the making and get them in front of the fans, get them, um, you know, to where they're the ones that are being featured. I mean, it's, it's good that they're on the prelims, and, and, and that's going to air right before. Um, and, and maybe, you know... Um, I don't know with this with this zone deal. Maybe their 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 structure changes of their cards. But um, for instance, you know, no disrespect to Sadawad and Ryan Couture, two veterans of the sport. I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of Ryan Couture. My my son works out at, at Extreme Couture. I see Ryan, you know, three or four days a week. Big fan. But I do wonder if you know, long term, you'd be better off uh, featuring some of these young studs on your main card, getting those eyeballs, getting those eyeballs uh, on them. Um, you know, same thing with, with Valerie Returnal versus Christina Williams. Is is you know, I guess the, the, the idea is that, you know, here's a potential number one contender fight. You know, you've got the women's flyweight uh in the in the championship fight uh in the main event. You know, maybe you feature so, you know, some other fighters in that women's flyweight division that could be a future contender. I, I guess that makes sense. Um but I, I mean I would like to see 
one of those fights may be switched out for one of these youngsters. Um, and I think that's something that Bellator – that to me is the challenge laying in front of Bellator right now. They've got some young guys. I mean, of course, Aaron Pico is the one that everybody talks about. And, and you know, there was so much hype around him. And, and, and you know, of course, he, he lost out of the gate. How crazy was that? Um, but now he's really developing. And I, I don't think there's any way you can look at Aaron Pico and say, you know, that, that guy is not a stud. Um, but, like, Ed Ruth and Joey Davis especially, I'm super high on them. Terrell Fortune as well. Uh, definitely some, some opportunities there. So these are three that you're, you're definitely going to want to keep an eye on. You, you know, again, we won't go too far into it in case you missed the show. But if you get a chance, if you're hearing this before, Bellator 201, make sure you catch those prelims uh, because these are, these are stars in the making for sure. Interesting to note, Bellator will be doing something a little different uh, this time around. For the first time ever, they're going to stream some of, as they call them, post limbs. Um, basically what they do out here, especially on the West Coast, you know, this show starts at 6 o'clock. The main card starts at 6 o'clock. So by 8 p.m., um, you know, that four-fight main card is over with. And Pachanga, uh, who sells out, I mean, it's not a huge venue, but it's a couple thousand, um, they sell out every time for Bellator. That's why they come here so often. Uh, they sell out for Bellator. And, of course, you know, the the, the MMA fans, they, they do like to have a frosty beverage or two. Uh, what does I say? A frosty beverage or two. <laughs> Excuse me, the ones in mind setting in. Uh, you know, they're going to spend a little money. But, you know, they, they want to keep them around a little bit. Um, so they have some post limbs afterwards. Uh, so there's there were originally six, but we lost one fight. Uh Paulo Ramirez, again, this was just a local fight, local ticket seller, but came in at 134.7 for a flyweight fight. California State Athletic Commission said, nope, that's, that's too far. It's too far out of range. Um, so there'll, there'll be five uh, post-limb fights. Jordan Young is on there. There's another young undefeated stud. Uh, Kerry Melendez is on there as well. Um, so those two fights will actually stream afterwards. Um, so if you're watching fights Friday night and you want to catch those two as well, they'll, they'll go back online after the TV portion. So kind of a, a test, something new for uh, for the promotion. So there you go. You can watch those. Uh, and that's kind of Bellator 201. Again, I, 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 I'm i interested in this card for sure. I think it's worth watching. Those young studs, they're not getting a lot of love just yet. But, uh, you know, that they're the next round of stars to this company. So I think you definitely want to uh, want to keep your eye on those people. All right. I mentioned Cole Coffee being busy. Extremely busy. Uh, he actually today was at the UFC Performance Institute in Las Vegas. There was a huge media day. Of course, next week is going to be uh, absolutely crazy. It's, it's International Fight Week. Those are always just packed. You know, you've got the, the, the Hall of Fame inductions. You've got two different events. You'll have all kinds of media stuff. Uh, should be fun. Uh, Simon Head, our friend from over in the UK, he's actually coming over, and I think he's going to pitch in with some coverage. He's doing some some stuff on his own uh, for some of his outlets, but uh, while he's here, I think he's going to pitch in and help us out a little bit as well. And uh, I believe the young Mike Bond is coming down uh, from Canada as well, so he'll be uh, he'll be on hand. So it'll be a busy, busy week. But it's so busy that they started out uh, doing a media day today in Las Vegas. Cold Coffee was there. Uh, Brad Tavares, Roxanne Modafferi, Julian Marquez, Francis Nagano, Mike Chiesa, Khalil Roundtree, Uriah Hall, Emily Whitmire, all those fighters were available at the USC Performance Institute today. Uh, and he spoke with, uh, with all of them, and all of that content will be coming to MMA Junkie. So you got plenty of interviews coming from today's uh, stuff. It's also It goes up to YouTube right away. We don't talk about that a lot at MMA Junkie. We probably should do a better job of it. Um, but the MMA Junkie YouTube page, 
I'm not going to lie. I don't subscribe to anything on YouTube. I don't even really know how. I mean, I search YouTube. Who doesn't use YouTube? Uh, but all of our videos go to YouTube even before they make it to the website. Um, so if you just want, like, the latest content, um, basically, as soon as it's ready, it's on YouTube. And then normally what we do is, you know, edit, as an editorial team, we'll write stories and then we'll place those videos. But, uh, you know, it's a little slower to go to the site. So if you're just one of those people that likes immediate content, um, subscribe to our YouTube page, MMA Junkie YouTube. You'll get all that stuff immediately. Um, and so all these videos are already up on YouTube. You'll be seeing them on the site, MMA Junkie, over the next couple of days. Um, but uh, I was talking to Cole Coffee before I sat down to record. The one that really stood out to him that, that he enjoyed um, was Mike Chiesa, uh, who had a, a lot to say about a variety of topics. And I won't spoil it ahead of time for you, but I'm sure you can imagine where we're going with everything. So uh, this was the uh, the media scrum that involved cold coffee and some other media in Las Vegas, and Mike Chiesa. You just recently had a run with Fox Sports. Yeah. And so let's flip it on you. What would you be asking yourself if you were standing here now that you have, you know, you dipped your toes a little bit into the media world? Probably a bunch of stupid-ass questions about Brooklyn. <laughs> but I understand why you guys asked, so I'll let whoever wants to ask the first question about Brooklyn so we can get it out of the way now. Go ahead. Do you plan to take legal action against Connor, and is that moving forward? I have no comment on that. Okay. But he fucked me out of a title shot, I'll tell you that much. It seems like Connor is, uh, there are reports that he's been reaching out to some people who are on the bus and apologizing. I think Rose Namiuna said that. Uh, Carolina Kovacavich uh, said that. Has he reached out to you at all? No, he, I haven't heard from him, so fuck him. And. If he had, would you be open to that conversation or, or no? I don't really got a lot to say to the guy. I mean, I lost a title shot. You know what I mean? I, I have proof. I was the highest ranked guy on the card. I would have stepped in to fight Khabib at the drop of a dime. Um, I've always loved the fight with Khabib. Bless his heart, he's a cool-ass guy. But, you know, this is a sport, and I've always liked the way I match up against him, and I got fucked out of that opportunity. Um, so I don't really have too many kind things to say to the guy. But, you know, you work your whole life for those kinds of opportunities. Do I want mine on short order? No, I love a training camp, but I mean, like I said, if they walked in the door now and said, hey, you want to fight for the title in the next 10 minutes? I'm out the door, I'm warming up, I'm ready to go, you know? So to lose that opportunity, man, and uh, that's tough. You know how this sport works, guys. Like the opportunities like that don't come along. I could string together 15 wins in a row, it's still not get a title shot. And I lost my opportunity, my dream. Um, and I hope that, you know, I'm going to fight my ass off to earn it back starting on July 7th with Anthony Pettis. But, um, yeah, tough tough pill to swallow. Do you think there should be some further disciplinary action against him for, for that? I don't know, man. It's out of my hands. I, I just try not to think about it too much. Whatever, however, however and whoever wants to handle that, 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 that's on them. But, you know, I'm – more than ever, I'm focused on, on this task at hand. I'm, I really want to close this chapter with Anthony, um, you know, being matched up to fight again. Uh, you know, it's a good fight for me. It's a good fight for him. I want to close that chapter, so I'm not really thinking about, you know, who should do what to Connor, whether it be the state of New York, the UFC, athletic commissions, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm just not thinking about that. I'm focusing on myself. I don't want to waste energy on that. I've wasted enough, you know. Brooklyn was a fucking heartbreaker. Uh, to say the least. And this is the most I've said about it. You know what I mean? I've tried to stay pretty close off, but just fuck it. You know what I mean? You guys want some answers. That's, that's, you got some. Did that whole experience sort of sour you a little bit towards fighting? The whole Brooke thing and, and how that 
whole just fiasco happened to you? I mean, is the love still as strong? Or, you, I mean, it brought a lot more emotions towards you, I'm sure, because of the whole thing. Not one person can ruin my love for mixed martial arts. You know what I mean? You know, that, that'll that never die. I, I've, I love... I've loved combat sports my whole life, starting with wrestling, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, that goes all the way back to when I was 11 years old. And, and my love for, for mixed martial arts will never waver. My love for the UFC will never waver. Um, just because some guy played up some theatrics, WWE style, and uh, took it a bit overboard and uh, affected the lives of fighters and workers with the UFC. I'm not going to let one person's actions directly affect how much I love this sport. You know what I mean? I, if I, the day I fall out of love with it, I'm hanging them up. You know what I mean? It's not worth it. If you're going to get punched in the face, elbowed, cut up, busted up, injured, have to cut weight, have to bring yourself to the brink of death to show up the next day and try to put on the performance of your life, you've got to love it. And if I don't love it, then it's just not worth it for me. You know what I mean? And that, that love will never die. So I, I, I'm not going to let one guy spoil the party. All that stuff in the back of your head, though, about missing out on the title shot, everything that happened in Brooklyn, was it hard to jump back into another camp for Pettis? No, it wasn't hard to jump back. I've been... It wasn't hard at all, and it's because of this place. You know what I mean? This is the first. I, I've dabbled with training in Las Vegas for a few fights. I did for the Jim Miller fight. I did for the Trinaldo fight. Came out here for like a month, four weeks to work with John Wood. But I got to do eight full weeks here at the PI. You know what I mean? And I'm really excited to showcase. Like I always say, like I like to bring, I talk about myself as a product. You know what I mean? People buy pay-per-views. People tune into fights. I bring a product into the octagon with me, you know what I mean? And this is the best, most polished, state-of-the-art product I've ever brought into the octagon. So it didn't spoil it at all. It made me actually more excited. Than I wanted the fast turnaround. You know, I told him, like, fuck this, I want to fight, you know what I mean? So, you know, within days, you know, I'm talking to Sean Shelby and we're, we're sealing the deal and, and here I am now. Brooklyn was a huge card. It had a lot of, I really wanted to fight for, for some family type reasons. My dad was born in Brooklyn and as we all know, my dad's not here today, may he rest in peace. But I really wanted to fight in Brooklyn. That's where a lot of my family's from. I had a lot of family come out for that. But you know what, here I am, International Fight Week, on the main billing, on a pay-per-view, getting to fight with my, my, my Francis Ngannou teammate, you know what I mean? We're like lethal weapon out there. So it's like, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I'm excited, dude. You know, I'm not gonna let all this stuff behind me weigh on me in a negative way it just doesn't matter right now so was the performance institute what kind of cemented that you were going to keep coming back here for training oh yeah absolutely I, I love working with the staff i'm building good relationships and you know this is such a, a valuable asset to our careers you know what i mean and a lot of guys aren't taking advantage of it i understand some guys can't come out here for a full training camp can only come a little bit here and there but i really encourage people like dude come out here and experience this come out here and really like Find out your deficits, you know what I mean, physically, as an athlete, you know what I mean? We all know our deficits as mixed martial artists, you know what I mean? Okay, my takedown defense is so good, I need to work on that, this and that. But we, we're, not, we're not masters in, in, this, in building athletes. So it's cool to come here and be like, hey, here's your deficits, here's your strengths, let's work on you as an athlete. So it's a really cool thing to integrate into your MMA training, and I think that guys should really take advantage of it. If you gave it a percentage of the better fighter you're going to be coming in against Pettis with this extra time, what would you give? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, one hundred and ten percent. I mean, it's I already made a lot of improvements before, and it's not like I went. You know, my team back home is great. I got a good team behind me. Rick Little is my head coach. My my strength coach, C.J. Taylor, back home. I got a good team back home, 
you know what I mean? But I got to come back here, keep building, you know what I mean? Keep building with with an Olympic level staff, you know what I mean? And, and I've made huge improvements still compared to Brooklyn, you know what I mean? That take it at this last camp was like the butt sniffing stage. Let's figure, let's kind of figure this guy out. You know, and at this camp, like they know me. They've sniffed my butt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But no, but really, last camp, they're just getting to know me. You know what I mean? And now it's like they know me. They know what, what they're working with. So now this camp, way more improvements. You know what I mean? So it's just been awesome. So would you say, like, the first round of preparing for Pettis, you're working on the big things, and this one maybe fine-tuning the, the minutia a little bit? Kind of everything, the big stuff and the small stuff, the little details and the big picture, you know what I mean? Whereas last camp, it's like, you know, these guys, it takes more than eight weeks for, you know, it takes more than eight weeks to figure somebody out, you know what I mean? You, you, you kind of, you get run through the tests, you kind of, they kind of feel you out, you know what I mean? So it's like this camp, it's like we've, we've kind of figured that all, all that out and now we're just like building on that and it, it's been very productive, it's been very good. Will that transfer over to the weight cutting as well? Because now you have these guys, a lot of expertise in that field, and now you've done a couple camps here. You're yeah. More full time here. So can you tell us right now you feel better with you know what, what are we like eight nine days out? Yeah. As opposed to other fights. Oh, I feel awesome. Clint Waterberg's awesome. He does a freaking phenomenal job of like figuring out how to fuel us, things of that sort. I do work with George Lockhart when I'm geared towards the weight cut. Um, you know, but the good thing is, his last camp I started really high. Obviously, I was I was. I'm a big lightweight. I started very high last camp, and you know it's documented that I was all the way down to like I think the the day before media day. I think I hit like 162 on a run. Uh, the day of media day, I was 165. You know, so I was already low. But this camp, it's like you know we got to start at a smaller number, and uh, you know that's been that's made things a lot easier. You know, last camp they kind of had to like kind of gear some things down towards. Hey, Mike's got to make weight in a few weeks. Kind of change some things. Whereas now it's like we've kind of just got to put the foot to the floor and uh, just really focus on everything. And then the weight cut just comes at the at a, in a timely manner. So yeah, I feel good. What do you like about Vegas outside of MMA, outside of the UFCPI and the gyms? Is there anything that you've enjoyed just living here? Um, honestly. It's uh, not really. I love <laughs> no, and it's nothing against the city. I love Las Vegas. I love that they got like a pro team now. They got the Golden Knights. That's been cool to like you know back home where I live in Washington. We don't have a pro sports team in our city, so it's cool to be here. Like you know, the Golden Knights are up the street, and I've always wanted to have a pro sports team in my backyard. And I'm ad I'm adapting. I I do consider Vegas my second home, and it's not that I dislike the place. But in a piston match, I mean Spokane, Washington. That's God's. That's good. That's God's earth to me. You know what I mean. I love being up in Spokane. I, you know, I love living out in the woods, having green trees, four seasons. You know, 115 degree heat, coupled with my back sweat problem, doesn't really really mesh very well. So, uh, you know, I I do enjoy being here, but just in comparison to home, home home is where the heart is. Did you get that shirt in Vegas? I did. That's very Vegas. H&M. <laughs> Does the frustration of Brooklyn help you bring a little more fuel into next week? Or no, it doesn't fuel anything no? at all. No, my, I don't need any more fuel. I'm, I'm very fueled to be a world champion. I'm very fueled to win fights. I don't bring, like, that's, like, that's kind of like bad energy. Like, that would be bad fuel, you know what I mean? If I was a race car, that would just be, like, cheap, unleaded gas. You know what I mean? Like, 
I like premium fuel. I like high octane. I like E85 ethanol. You know what I mean? I, I don't like to, I don't bring that negative energy with me into my camps or my preparation and my mentality. Like I said, there is one thing that really weighs on me, and that's the lost opportunity to fight for the title. But that, but fueling myself on that isn't going to get me anywhere. You know what I mean? So I'm staying very focused on my goals, on what on what has driven me to get me this far. I'm not going to change that because of one guy's actions. I'm keeping my mindset the same. You stated you want to do a little bit of a catch up because you had some time off. So not to overlook Pettis, yeah. Because there's been some shifting around of some lightweight fights. <laughs> You come out of this healthy with a win. Are you raising your hand and saying, "Hey, maybe I fit into one of these"? You know what the shuffle I'm talking about? What happened with Nebraska and Boise and all that? No. So not filling in for Boise. Yeah. Triple effect. Um, here's the thing. I got a beautiful girlfriend back home that has hasn't had me for by the time this fight rolls around, 16 weeks. She's been without her boyfriend. You know what I mean? I I can't do that to her. So I I, I do. My goal was to fight three times this year. I, you gotta you gotta look at Brooklyn and, and consider it to be a fight. I did an eight week camp, you know. I didn't get to compete, but you know what I mean. I'm not gonna try to make up for two more after this because that means she gets to sit at home with Stone Cold Kiesa, my new puppy, and <laughs> we don't get to spend time together and stuff. And and I, that's not fair to her and for me. You know, I gotta go home. I gotta remind myself what I'm fighting for. You know what I mean? And as much as I love training and being here, I enjoy every single day that I'm here in Las Vegas. I love being here. It's uh, there's not a day I wake up or I'm like super homesick and I'm miserable. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to train. But you know, I gotta go home and spend time with my girlfriend. I need it. We have plans for the summer. I do plan on competing again before the year's up, 110 percent. But I need some time at home. I need some time with her. And, uh, you know, I need some time with my dogs. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, cool. no problem, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. Mike Chiesa keeping it real the way he always does, man. Big, big fan of Mike. Always have been, man. Such a good dude. Uh, he's got a big fight coming up. And uh, listen, man, the, the, the Conor McGregor situation, it's funny. I was talking to some people this weekend. Uh, I mean, bottom line is, you know, we know that uh, there's the, the the criminal stuff that will be sorted out in July. I'm fully expecting that to be uh, just probation and nothing else. And I think the UFC is going to – I think the UFC is going to book a fight right after that. I mean, maybe not a day after – Excuse me, but it's it's going to get booked. He's going to fight Habib Nurmagomedov. I truly believe that's the fight that'll be made next. Uh, you know, you can see the writing on the wall. Um, you know, John Kavanaugh has mentioned he thinks it's going to happen. Owen Roddy's talking uh, about you know the fight strategy. I mean, but but everybody's working towards that fight. Uh, even Ali Abdelaziz is 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 doing his thing where he's where he's uh, you know at one point saying uh, maybe Connor doesn't even deserve the fight, but then also saying uh, you know the punishment that Connor should receive is you know 25 minutes of being underneath of being never made off. So uh, listen, I think that fight's going to happen. Um, but you know, there's been a lot of criticism. You know, uh, you know, Michael Chiesa is obviously talking about it now that he's got a fight booked again. Um, you know, Rose Nami Yunus is, is talking about it as well. Um, you know, their frustration with Conor McGregor. I, I have talked to some people that said, "Listen, um, Conor Conor hasn't made much comment because he can't make much comment right now." Um, you know, with, with civil proceedings going on, with the lawsuits that are that are in motion. Um, you know, 
he can't say a lot. He, he just can't. Um, until the criminal proceedings are, are done. You know, that's why he came out and read a very quick statement the other day. Um, so that's one of the reasons that, that, that Connor hasn't said much. From what I was told, um, Connor is incredibly apologetic about um, his actions. And um, you know, maybe he'll be able to speak on them further at some point, but he realizes uh, he screwed up really, really bad. Now, of course, that's, that's this game that we play, right? I mean, all that stuff is going to get used in the promotion for the Habib fight, of course. We're going to see that footage over and over again. And, you know, at that point, Connor probably won't act very apologetic about things. Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, in, in fight promotion, you, you kind of want to walk that line, right? I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, I, I don't think all during the fight, you know, he's, he's going to be like, wow, I'm terribly sorry what happened or, or you know. He's, he's going to spin it somehow that he can still be talking trash. Um, so, yeah, something to monitor. We'll, we'll, we'll have plenty to talk about that moving forward. But um, I just thought it was interesting uh, with the timing of talking to Kiesa and, and some conversations I had with some some people over the weekend that said, listen, you know, behind the scenes, Connor is incredibly apologetic for what happened. He's just – it's not something he can really, really address right now. So, anyway, uh, listen, speaking of cold coffee and speaking – boy, this, this on-point porter – Speaking of coffee, he's got the nice coffee notes. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of cold coffee and speaking of legal issues, cold coffee, I said he was staying busy this week. While I was in New York uh, for the Bellator press conference, he was in Las Vegas going to the uh, Nick Diaz hearing. He, uh, Nick was not present. Uh, we weren't sure if he would be or not. I kind of assumed he wouldn't be. Um, but but cold coffee was there. He was in the courtroom uh, covering things like a like, like on the legal beat, man. He was there. The video is up if you want to see uh, his lawyer kind of presenting the case and 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 what happened. And um, it was kind of an interesting day for Cole Coffee. Of course, the Nick Diaz case getting a lot of uh, of publicity. A lot of people wondering, you know, how it'll impact whether or not he fights again. Um, you know, kind of what legal ramifications he faces. You know, that's a story that uh, that you know the details are. Um, I guess still coming out. I've, I've read the police report, and it doesn't sound good. Um, but, you know, we don't know what all the facts are. They're still coming out. But, um, you know, of course, it, it, it doesn't sound great. Uh, and, and one of the charges that Nick is facing um, has a mandatory one year in jail. Now, you know, I don't know if he'll be convicted. I'm sure they'll, they'll settle something. Um, I'm sure, you know, a civil matter will, will be determined. Some money will change hands. Um but it is an interesting situation. And what I thought was, since Cold Coffee was there, experienced it directly, and in the conversations we had, uh, kind of, I won't say enjoyed the experience, but uh, learned from the experience. You know, he's he's uh, he didn't he didn't grow up as a court reporter or anything like that. So to to be in there and, uh, and and be filming everything and watching the case play out, you know, it was kind of an interesting day for him. So I figured, hey, it's important stuff. Let uh, let's 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 hear from Cold Coffee on the matter. Now, here's the funny part. Because when I said that, cold coffee was like, I hate you. I don't I don't like talking by myself without you there. Uh, I feel like an idiot doing it, and, and, and I, I don't enjoy it very much. Uh, and I told him I don't care. Do it anyway. <laughs> Just because cold coffee's not here doesn't mean he shouldn't be a part of the show. Damn right he should be a part of the show, right? And he does good. I enjoy listening to him, right? He does okay. So, you know, maybe once you hear this segment, you can chime in and let him know that, Bro, if you gotta be by yourself, it's okay. We love hearing you on the MMA Road Show. So this is Cold Coffee discussing his day on the Nick Diaz legal beat. I don't wanna I don't wanna record. 
fine. I don't know. Do you guys want to hear all this legal mumbo jumbo? I can't really say legal mumbo jumbo because it's not like I would remember any of the words or terms or all those big words. But I guess I can tell you about the procedure of what uh, happened and, you know, how it went down. Um, I've never actually covered a court case Um so it was a, a new experience for me. You know, of course, we've been to court before. Uh, that's another story. But uh, the fact of, you know, to, to do this sort of thing, you know, they have procedures set up to where as a media member, if you want to go, you have to fill out this media request form. And uh, you say, uh, you know, you, you kind of put whether you're, you're trying to broadcast it, whether you're recording it, whether you're streaming and all the other good stuff. And then you submit it in and then it has to be approved by the judge and uh, the court whether or not they're going to allow it to go in and then if it's uh, approved it gets put on the record they send notification to the da and all this other good stuff saying hey people are going to do it and so it's uh, kind of interesting or i guess unique in this for me which was kind of it was kind of weird was that um, you know the whole time been checking the uh, the court case checking for updates you know, was looking to see, you know, how the case was proceeding, you know, what day it was supposed to be on, what the court case was, all that sort of stuff that you can look up um, in um, in the records of a lot of the court systems. So say if you're around uh, your area and there's a, a criminal case going on, a lot of times if you know the name of the party, you can do a search and find some of the records uh, pertaining to the court case. And so one of the things in this particular case, or at least the uh, – it's still kind of establishing, it's it, it establishing itself. So what happens is when you make a motion, when an outlet like Junkie or uh, Fighting or any of these other uh, news outlets uh, re make a request for information using the, the public informations and act or something along the line, when they make a, a motion to request the public information, all that stuff gets written inside the court case event ledger or the docket, if you will. Um, so you can go down there and you could see when when the, when he first got uh, popped and when the there was supposed to be that first initial hearing, um, you could see all the record of the outlets that went through and asked for uh, information. It's all now uh, a matter of public record. But what's unique, I guess, in my situation is that it also logs when an outlet and the particular uh, person doing it. Um, requests for access to record the hearing so now on this court docket there is a motion in there that uh, or a line where it says uh ken hathaway usa today sports you know making a mo uh, request to record the hearing and um and then you get to see where down below where it was um where it was uh, approved and then they notify you and then they notify the DA. So I'm not sure eventually if this whole ledger goes away once they get into the hearing and once they get in the meat and potatoes. But I thought it was kind of interesting that if it does stay there, uh, it was kind of surreal for me that, you know, my name now is going to be attached to this court case of his um, from here on out, you know, so it was kind of interesting. But um, so I find out that I can go to this court case and this is one of the first one I've ever actually done. So I wasn't quite sure what the procedure was to even get into the building. You know, there's two different main entrances at the, the Las Vegas Justice Court here downtown. And uh, I knew one was a little bit more crowded and then the other one, not quite so much. But I wasn't quite sure if I could use it because that was the one I had to use once when I had to do jury duty. 
And, uh, you know, I had this badge made up once that was like my media badge. It says media. And I put the stupid little uh, face picture of me that used to be my uh, um, uh, logo or avatar for Facebook for years. It was a shot that a photog took of me when I still worked for the UFC back in Japan. So it was like this fisheye shot. No beard. Doesn't look really remotely anything like me anymore. But it does say like MMA Junkie, USA Today Sports, you know, and then my title underneath that, you know, and I put it on my lanyard. And so I'm walking into this entrance, you know, with my little media badge going, I'm like, Hey, you know, media, can I go in through this entrance? And they're like, Oh yeah, sure. You know? And then, you know, I kind of get the, so, so what you here for, you know, who are you here? And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm here to, for the Nick Diaz hearing, you know, an MMA fight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. We heard about that. You know, so it kind of, you know, it was interesting that, you know, that they had heard of it and that it was going on. And I can only imagine all the cases and the crazy shit that the security and the people that uh, here going on the courthouse. But uh, they did hear of it. And luckily, the courtroom was just inside the security thing. So I was able to get inside and go in there. And, um, you know, I had never done one of these, so I wasn't quite sure. But I did read up and it did state that if there are going to be multiple cameras there, you have to do a pool arrangement, and that means um, the pretty much the the Senate guidelines for how these things should happen is that only one camera will be inside the room recording that, if, and that if there are other cameras there, you have to do a pool and provide that footage to the other outlets there. And I knew uh, in town one of the other outlets that would be going was the uh, uh, one of the local stations that my friend is the assistant news director at. And so I, I kind of got the heads up to them. You know, every once in a while when I find out MMA stuff, I kind of give them a little, you know, tip that, hey, by the way, maybe we should look into this stuff. You know, like when Jesse Jess's house got busted into, I was like, hey, you know, you guys should really go do a story on it. And they did a really good story and followed up on it, you know, to help Jesse uh, get her uh, story out there. So I reached out to them. So I knew they were going to be there. And since it was my first time there, I was like, but hey, you know, you shoot, I'll pull, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, because they kind of come in there and it would have took me a minute to set up their stuff. So, you know, when it comes to taking all that time, setting up in the back of a courtroom or using a guy that just has to put his camera on the tripod, I was like, yeah, let's do that route. Um, but as soon as we got back in the back and then the lawyer for Diaz came and I immediately recognized him because he was also uh, the lawyer that had worked with Diaz before when it uh when he was trying to defend that, uh, I think when he got popped for weed in one of the last, one of the, the fights, I think it was a conduit fight. Um, uh, Stephen Morocco goes in more detail on site, but um, Ross Goodman uh, is the lawyer and that happens to be the son of Oscar Goodman and Carolyn Goodman, uh, the current mayor of Las Vegas and then the famous former mayor of Las Vegas. So I guess if there was a Vegas royalty, he would be from the royal family, if you will, of Las Vegas. But he comes back there and he's like, hey, guys, just first want to let you know that uh, Nick's not going to be there. And then, of course, it was just like, damn, that's partly why we're here. Um, but, well, you know, we'll still shoot it and get to get to, to see what happens. And uh, it, was, it was funny because he kind of remarked, he's like, why isn't there more people here? And all I could really say is, you know, I wasn't quite sure. I was like, maybe because we're locals, you know, but, or maybe others just assume that he wouldn't have to be here at this particular point. So nobody else really tried to come in out. But uh, it did strike me as a little odd that uh, he thought that there would be more people. And I guess in a sense, I thought there would be more as well. There's really only a couple of us there. Um, 
But so we get set up. The procedure starts happening. I'm sorry. I know I'm this is rambling, but uh, I guess, you know, John asked me to tell you the procedure. So I'm telling you what went down. Um, and it was uh, it was interesting because uh, he they pretty much called his case right from the get go. There were other people that I think normally go first because they um, they were uh, the in custody ones. They were off to the side. You know, there was a uh, metro officer sitting behind them, but uh, a lot of them were shackled up in pairs. You know, um, and they were doing their cases. But this case, or when they talked about uh, Nick, actually went before. So. I thought that was interesting that, uh, you know, that's either pulling some favors or, or how it kind of works, I guess, when you're royalty of uh, Vegas uh, dynasty, I guess, that you get your cases pushed forward. Um, or maybe it was also a high profile and they wanted to set up the way so if he was actually there, they could get him in and out. Um, and that might be why it was initially sort of set up that way. But um, I didn't really expect to hear the back and forth of the uh, DA or the the state's representative against um, Nick's like uh, I guess I just assume you know I thought there was going to be a criminal a complaint filed which there was but I thought they'd maybe talk about that and they were just going to set the date and we'd be in and out but when the DA um, I believe they were a DA person um, so I'll just say the DA um, a district attorney person uh, was asking for the bail to be raised to a hundred thousand and started really saying you know do the acts and the nature you know he's he's a and that, that he's a mixed martial artist it was the dangers you know we should really raise this up and uh and then to hear switch over to the defense side talking about it then you got to hear that and go to the go to the site um watch the i don't want to call it testimony or whatever but when the, each side is sort of saying their bits because when uh Goodman starts going on, you kind of got that grungy feeling when you're listening to like these defense lawyers that, you know, when somebody, you know, does these things and you're just like, uh, how, how can you defend this guy when he's done this, 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 you started kind of almost feeling that way when you just hearing the way that he was sort of downplaying the, the woman who had taken, um, some abuse or some alleged abuse, um, but it would just, it, it just kind of just it started feeling a little bit cringy and, uh, tell me what, you, you know, listen to it and tell me what you think. I mean, he was doing what a defense attorney would do, you know, kind of pointing to the facts of her stories changing. Um, there were no, uh, dif- the, 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 the results, there were nothing to corroborate her story of the grabbing the neck and all this other stuff. And that was a lot of stuff. I didn't think we'd already start hearing, not in a, in a place right now where we're just talking about setting a court date and doing a bail. So it was, it was a little weird, you know, and then it kind of got a little heated at first between, uh, the DA sort of trying to push why she thought. And then it got to the point where the judge is just like, quiet, 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 you know, like, let me talk. And it was at that point that she said, um, you know, roughly skipping ahead, you know, that, you know, this guy is the first time he doesn't have any priors. And based upon that um, and with the fact that she's reading that even the cops have it in record on record that the story changed from when it was first taken. And then the story changed when the victim made it to the hospital um, so that she started 
I don't know, I guess that started weighing into the judge's mind, like, okay, let's just keep it to what a, a no prior offender would normally get. And the bail was established at a certain amount so that I didn't see a re- she didn't see a reason to change it. So she kept it at that particular amount. But she did say that once maybe more tests come and they, if, if more things find out or, you know, once it gets into the trial and they, you know, start to hear more of the, stu- uh, the story, if they feel that there is a, a fear or a chance that they think there's, I don't know if it was like a flight risk or if they fear that he was more dangerous as more testimony or whatever comes out and they can test the credibility of the uh, witness, then they can maybe do some change. But she saw no reason changing at that point. And so she sort of shut down the DA and then it was just like, okay, well, uh, let's set the date. What works for you guys? So it was like this crazy sort of quick back and forth and, all this grimy images getting thrown across, uh, you know, from one to the other. And then it was just like, okay, well, that's done. Let's set a date. And it was just, it was surreal, you know, kind of sitting in the back listening to it. And um, so it was, it was, a, it was a bit bizarre, um, but uh, it was unique. And, and I won't lie if I, if I uh, didn't say that I was completely intrigued by it, you know, it was a, I'm not one of those b- people that really digs a lot of reality TV and, uh, uh, you know, even though, you know, it's real stuff happening, you know, I mean, cops was cool when you used to watch that, you know, but I'd always feel bad for the people I'd feel bad for stuff, you know, but I was completely, um, just enwrapped by the discussion and then talking back and forth and how the, the story of the, uh, you know, the, the victim and, and who said, he said, she said, and what the, the other friend in the house. And, you know, it just played out this crazy mental image in my head that I, I would lie if I wasn't saying I was completely caught up in it by the end that when they were done, I was just like, Whoa, that's it. You know, I kind of wanted more, but, uh, Luckily, um, by being able to file this request, I will actually be able to um, get in uh, to the next time. You know, when you do get approved to cover these court hearings, it runs the full length of the court case. So uh, unless something changes and unless it gets to a point that the judge um, decides not to uh, uphold the approved request, we'll be able to bring um, some more stuff from the future um, hearings. Um and uh, we'll find out some more. One side note that uh, I did <laughs> the process of doing these sort of things is that, you know, as I shot the whole video and then put up the video, uh, luckily Steve Morocco had uh, his blinders on. And uh, if you watch the video, you'll hear bleeps. Uh, and that was when the uh, victim's name uh, was said uh, on the uh, on the uh, on the video. And I didn't catch it at first. I didn't catch it and we've been trying to not release that information so luckily um when i put it up i only put it on the site so we were able to pull it from the site and put a video a uh, picture up so i could bleep it out so if you're maybe one of the persons that maybe happened to catch it in the first couple of minutes it was live uh you would hear the person's name but uh I'm not at liberty to give that out but uh, uh i think probably a lot of people already know it but uh that is one thing I will learn for the future, you know, is to pay better attention to that sort of things when there's sensitive information out there. And it's not like um, it's just mainly like, you know, you throw a name out like that. It's going to get flame. People are going to hit every social media site and come out, you know, and, you know, we need to let the process take care of itself. Let the legal process do its thing. You know, don't uh, 
nobody needs to be harassing people and uh, doing all kinds of crazy shit and acting a fool when uh, some real shit is happening, real shit, real life shit's happening. So let's all, uh, I, I don't know, I don't want to say enjoy the, <laughs> sit back and enjoy the show, but it is, it is crazy. It is, it is real life. And it, uh, you know, that was uh, definitely different than uh, anything else I had ever covered. You know, it's not like covering a uh, a media day or some happy-go-lucky shit. It's some real stuff that was very interesting. But it was a learning experience for me. Um, I'll feel a lot more confident going into that sort of thing in the future. Um, so even an old dog can learn new tricks um, and go through new experiences. So I know that went way too long and a lot more elaborate than the whole procedure. But uh it was unique. It was different. Uh, not your typical, uh, not your typical start to a work week, but, uh, but I'll take it, but that's, uh, that's world MMA. So there you go, guys. Uh, I hope I didn't bore you to death with, uh, my not so fancy words talking about a legal procedure that was full of big and fancy words. Um, so yeah, so I'll toss it back to John, but, uh, thanks for listening guys. And, uh, hope I didn't bore you to death. There's the man, the myth, the legend, cold coffee. Tell him he did all right, won't you? He hates that stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I guess the one thing I hate this week with my with my travels and the way things were, I didn't get to see uh, Dana White's Contender Series live. I had, to, I had to watch the replay of it. I'm bummed, I'm telling you. I know we go on about it all the time, but that's my favorite part of the week. Um, this is the first one I've missed out of out of 11 shows. I've been at 10 of them, uh, 10 of them I should say. Uh, I will miss, and I'm really bummed, I'm going to miss the Nick Newell one uh, later this year because of uh, the show that's up in Calgary. Um, the way that the travel works from Vegas, uh, I couldn't find a good flight to get me there. So I'm going to miss the Nick Newell one. I'm bummed about that one as well, man. I, I, if there was any of them to miss, I, I hate that it's that one. But uh, uh, another great show. What, t- two straight weeks with five finishes? Awesome, man. If you're not, if you're not watching Contender Series, like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Make sure you watch a Contender Series. It's on USC Fight Pass. Uh, it is it is well worth hell I think I think the damn thing is is worth the price of admission right there just contender series uh, they are doing a special by the way uh, I think they dropped it. it's like nine bucks so it, it, if I'm telling you that like the only thing you need to see is contender series and you're saying that is all I want to see uh, I think for nine bucks uh, it basically gives you access through the rest of the season you can access all of Fight Pass you can see everything on Fight Pass but basically your membership just lasts. Uh, for that time period. So if you really just want to watch a contender series, you can watch the ones you've already missed because they're archived. You can watch anything else you want to watch, um, but you can watch a contender series. And again, I think it's like nine bucks, and that'll last you for the next six weeks uh, or five weeks, I guess, now at this point. So, um, yeah, it's actually cheaper than if you had a monthly membership, and it's worth it. So just throwing that out there. They're not paying me to do that, but I'm just telling you I heard it, and I think it's a – I think it's a good one. I love, I love it. Uh, no contender series next week. Thank God for that. I guess the, the World MMA Awards are on Tuesday night. Uh, I, I will be there. I'm enjoying that. Of course, MMA Junkie is nominated. I was fortunate enough to be nominated as well. I uh, would love to. Would love. Would love to take home an award that night. But either way, I always have fun. Everybody's dressed up, and um, everybody has a few adult beverages together, and. Uh, it's good times. It's always good times. And then, of course, International Fight Week will be in full swing. We will have full coverage of that. Uh, I love International Fight Week, man. It's crazy. It's madness. By the end of it, I'm exhausted. But uh, it's just nonstop all day long, and I, and I love doing it. So, anyway, 
that's what's going on. That's what's coming up. Uh, sorry, Cold Coffee couldn't be with me this week, but hopefully you enjoyed hearing from him. The gang will be back together next week, and I bet we'll uh, I bet we'll have the young Mike Bond on for a moment or two, and uh, I'm sure we'll have our man from the UK, Simon Head, probably pop in for a moment as well. Uh, he's he's enjoying watching the World Cup right now. I know that, and he had surgery on his throat. He got his voice back. If you watch the media picks, he's been struggling for a while. Uh, he had some scary shit, but he had surgery, and he's good to go now. So, way too much information. I know it's the OPP talking. <laughs> Let's keep brewing. That's what's up. All right. Beltor 201, MA Rocho. Thanks for listening.